it's it's trying to balance the artist narrative, the artist brand, the music narrative that we have, and then marrying that with what that content looks like. There's not one specific that moves the needle. What works on one platform doesn't work on another. Hey, it's Nate DeSaro and welcome to Titans of Industry, the podcast where I talk to industry leaders and innovators who are at the top of their game and leading the pack in their fields, uncovering some of the best stories in today's business landscape. In today's episode, I sit down with Heather Vassar, the Vice President of Marketing for Empire Records Nashville. Heather tells us about the importance of storytelling in the life cycle of an artist, how her experience halfway around the world in Bali changed her life, and how her background being a competitive athlete, musician, accountant, and creative helped her create her dream job. Now, let's get to the episode. But before we do, our team at Content Titan wants you to know that we understand the challenges business leaders and marketers are facing right now with moving to a more virtual world. We are experts in taking human connections and turning them digital. From virtual events and video presentations to promotional content and advertising, we are here to help guide you through the process of staying in front of your audience and making your life a little bit easier. People tell us all the time that they are lost and don't know what to say or do. And we exist to help your business continue to move forward virtually. So if you're ready to take your business and content strategy virtual, we're ready to help. Let's get your business back to business. Now here's my conversation with Heather Vassar. All right, Heather, I'm so happy that we have the chance to sit and have this conversation. Um, We've we've known each other for years, but haven't really connected or talked in Years. Uh, we, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, since college, we'll yeah. put it that way. Um, but just give me the quick sort of rundown. What are you doing? How'd you get here? Um, give me kind of that, that short story of, of how we're sitting, for me, back in Starstruck Studios and, yeah. um, and, and you're working for Empire Records. Yeah, yeah. So I run marketing for Empire um, based here in Nashville. I've been in Nashville since... Um, 2009, but I took a little hiatus and was in Dallas for a couple years in between now and 2009. Um, but yeah, so I running marketing, I came from Universal, um, where I was in digital marketing there. And then I ran, ran strategy, um, at Universal here in Nashville and yeah, was looking kind of for the next step in my career and in my life. And, and this literally was the, uh, the seat buddy on a plane that kind of started this conversation that that led to to launching a new footprint here for empire which is mostly has been a hip-hop and rap label and they you know see the country genre as important and wanting to invest and that's what we've been kicking off for the last well i got almost two years now that's crazy so, so two years of uh a, a new kind of existence in nashville yeah. for a label that kind of shifted gears when they came here. I mean, you know, still doing what they do, but, um, and of course, like not long after you guys get up and running, the bottom falls out and the world stops and tours can't happen. So when you think about kind of all the things that you guys have had to shift and pivot and and do differently, what was your biggest challenge in 2020 that, that really maybe turned into a blessing? Man, one, probably the biggest challenge was just cutting through the noise, right? After all of the artists came home and had never been home for that amount of time um, to then having all of the artists really with no excuse to not do anything else right so all of the artists that have typically been on tour that were either you know trying to figure out other sources of income having to you know lay off tour um, support and help and and figure out other sources of income and figure out different ways so the first part of 2020 was interesting just trying to wrap our heads around okay how long is this going to last is this really going to last as as long as they're saying or you know I think for the at least the first couple months we we didn't really know um and so I I, I don't think anybody did so you know we were like okay we, we just continued to releasing music there was a lot of artists in town and then as a whole that that stopped um but we can we did not stop we didn't stop our release plans we continued and we thought man as empire we are have continued to operate as digital forward digital focused um and so 
that's what we were like we're already in this space we're already creating content we already have content um, created so we just continue to roll with it so yeah I think the the biggest challenge especially at the beginning and even now was one cutting through the noise of because then everybody pivoted to live streams and everybody pivoted to and a, a lot I say everybody but majority of I think the industry pivoted to um, doing whatever they could and so then trying to figure out okay what then sets us apart in that yeah absolutely and, and I love as a content creator content in the name of my company but um <laughs> the fact that you kept putting out content and didn't stop people are sitting at home looking mm -hmm. for new things they're getting bored they're they're sort of getting this fatigue from netflix and everything else yep. and so i think it was such a great opportunity to just introduce new artists to people and you know continue to flood because people i mean if there was a bottom to instagram i'm sure they got there you know and yeah. so it's like who have i not seen yet that i can see and how did you see sort of some of those metrics come to life and it's funny, I've said this quite a bit lately of, you know, I think we're, we're able to be on the upswing where we can kind of look back at 2020 and go, okay, what, what did that do for us in a way? Um, how did we excel in that? Then also, where did we kind of misstep in some places? But I think what 2020 did for a lot of my artists that are either developing or, you know, kind of breaking, essentially, is that it leveled the playing field a little bit because it took the A-list artists off the road, it took all of the developing acts at major labels and as an indie label, you know, the, it took them all off the road and said, okay, now the music speaks, now the content speaks. And so we let that kind of outshine and continue to push and that helped, um, you know, we have artists in, in places where they are now that I don't know that that would have been the case had, you know, us had to have competed with some of the other developing just in terms of this sheer space that they can operate as you know being on a major or something so um yeah it, that was definitely an interesting kind of time and, and being able to look back now is like okay like we were able to cut through the noise and then also introduce like you said you know when when there was so much fatigue on netflix and you know we had to fight the tiger kings and, and all of that you know but to have music out there and to continue to kind of feed that system was it was probably the best thing that we could do in that time that's really cool have you seen a shift in artists like mindset um, because I think a lot of people get into an industry thinking it's going to be one way and of course you guys are figuring it out as much as anybody else but have since you're dealing with a lot of new artists have you seen them have kind of a, a creative mindset to kind of figure things out with you or are they more resistant to things say I just want to sit back and wait till I can get on the road or whatever you know it's funny every artist is completely different I mean they're just creative beings you know so they're as different as you and I as as anybody else that would walk into a room and so you have to take every artist and every team completely different um so we we did we had some artists that were struggling off the road they had never been off the road and so figuring out okay what can we fill in this space with what can we fill in the gap with where are you because you you do you have to take care of the artist mentally um especially because it does it when they come off tour like it messes with them when they're so used to that routine and then they're sitting at home and it's like so you have that pendulum swing all the way then to those that wrote and they were they were had home studios so then they were just making music and just diving into that and then you had artists that were completely dove into the TikTok space and socials on live and and really diving into that so every artist and every approach is completely different I I don't think you can really cookie cutter it you know especially with how diverse our roster is much less all of empires um that I think it would be a disservice to cookie cutter it for an artist. You really have to take and go, okay, what are our, where where are our easy wins during this time? Because nobody knows how to survive a, a pandemic, and and how to get through that. And so, what are what are our easy wins that we can easily grab? And then, what are we okay to to kind of allow them to be humans through this? You know, I love that. And, and I would assume half your job is really kind of a a producer for them, like. What content are you making today? How are you kind of putting your own self, your own brand out there? Because, you know, musicians, artists, they're, they're content creators and they do that for a living to sell their music. Yep. But to market them, mm -hmm. that's a whole different type of content. I mean, yes, is that part of it fun for you? Do you enjoy the, the kind of giving them a list of things to do every day to keep marketing themselves? Yeah. Well, 
yes and no. There's some of it I'm, I wasn't used to some of the um, day-to-day grunt work that comes with that. Um, but I mean, I put together so many content strategy plans and decks and oh my gosh. And how much of that is enjoyable for you? Kind of being their sort of producer in a sense or executive producer as well as helping market everything else they're doing. Yeah, I I love that side of it. The content side, I hadn't haven't always trusted my eye on it. I've learned to trust it. I've learned to trust what's quality, what is great to put out, what can move the needle, what doesn't, um, what not to waste the time on and, and what, you know, that looks cool, pushes, you know, pushes things forward. Um, and so I love that side of it. I love the being able to create great, great content, helping an artist kind of get in that groove and get in that rhythm and then they get excited. So that's, that's the fun part. You know, you also have to balance that with, again, like I said, like they're creatives and and human beings. And so you have to balance that. So there's, you know, with some artists, you have to be very, um, kind of direct in the content strategy and plan and help them lay that out. And then some you're able to kind of free flow that and let that kind of just happen naturally. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I've said this a million times, like every artist is different. So the, the, the plan, there's really not a one plan that we stick to, but I, I love the creative side. It, it allows me to be creative how I can't, you know, however I can be, um, and, and let that kind of, that side of me flourish alongside then the marketing side of the very analytical side to make sure that it's properly pitched and placed and things like that. So, so you mentioned you're, you're constantly trying to kind of figure out and help them identify what works, what moves the needle, what doesn't. And of course, my first question to you is, well, what moves the needle? What are the <laughs> things you see? And I mean, is, are there trends that you're seeing in the content world, especially with artists content that, that really make an impact and you can kind of boil that down to direct downloads or, you know, more views or, or things like that? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. When I first got in the music business, like video streams didn't count towards the chart, right? And so that it wasn't as much of a factor. Now, video has always been a great component and a great asset to have. But then as I've been in the industry, now they do. So then they matter. So then create compelling content is even more important. And then as the digital space has just grown, more platforms, you know, TikTok wasn't around when I first started. That was, you know, it was musically and trying to figure that out and then moving moving to other platforms. So it's it's trying to balance the artist narrative, the artist brand, the music narrative that we have, and then marrying that with what that content looks like across all different platforms. So it really is, there, I don't, there's not one specific that moves the needle. I think you have to be very cognizant of what works on that platform because what works on one platform doesn't work on another and so you have to there's a you know a lot of artists that are starting out even outside of the music industry they throw the exact same thing across all platforms and you're going to see a difference in engagement a difference in how the platform promotes it how how that hits the algorithm so yeah, there's a, a, so many components to it that, of course, there's no magic formula. I mean, I wish there was. I wish I've discovered the magic formula, as I'm sure you do as um, well. Yeah, we all wish we could discover <laughs> that magic formula. But but there is a formula, and I think that's the important thing is you've got to kind of identify that for yourself. You know, it's almost like if you're making your own recipe in the kitchen, you can use somebody else's and hope that it turns out the way theirs turned out. But yeah. really, you can kind of take some liberties and make it your own. And I think... You have to find out what works for you, what what taste do you like when it comes mm-hmm. to food, and then for artists, what actually resonates with their viewership. Absolutely. I think I preach to my artists and teams all the time is authenticity. Authenticity. I can throw out as many incredible ideas as, as I can, but if it doesn't then feel authentic to the artist, it will never work. And it won't work. The, the fans can see right through it. They're smart. They can see right through it. And so it's only when that great idea hits on the authenticity of the artist that that is probably more of where the magic is rather than any type of rollout strategy or plan majority of the time i sit behind the camera i sit behind them you know on the the sound booth or you know away from the mic and they they're the ones that have to sell it um in whatever capacity that is whether it's a live show whether it's you know any type of content any type of branding and so that has to feel and resonate with them because when it works it really works and then they have to own that the rest of their lives not me (laughs) that's absolutely true yeah i mean i i preach to people all the time about this idea of human to human interaction mm -hmm. right so when we're creating content 
sure there's ways you can push out digital content and in a lot of ways that that's just graphic based or whatever and, and there's certainly elements to that that's very informational and worthwhile but if you really want to move the needle and get somebody connected to your brand or to in this case your music um that human to human connection and because we throw out the word authenticity all the time as well but I think what it boils down to, like, what is authenticity? Well, mm -hmm. just be a human to right. another human. <laughs> right. I mean, like, how would you connect with this person in real life? Mm -hmm. And don't try and be something you're not. Uh, unless you're a Broadway performer, then, of course, by all means, be a great Broadway performer or something. But but for a, an artist, for a brand, for whoever it is, how are you connecting with this person on a human level? Yep. And I think if you can sort of boil it down into that simple mindset, then generally speaking it's going to be a winning strategy. Yeah. I mean, that that builds careers because then those fans stay with that artist forever. Yeah. Forever. And I've said it for a long time. I, I think Garth Brooks, in my mind, is one of the best entertainers in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and clearly his numbers don't Love lie. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't think he's the best musician. I don't think he's the best singer. I don't think he's the best. But he, he just feels so human. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Uh, and, and he's a showman, just mm -hmm. like a lot of people. But his presence just want, makes me want to be there yeah you know and I remember in the 90s uh <laughs> going to a Garth Brooks concert just thinking this was the greatest thing ever because yeah. he just came alive and he's just so much fun to be around but I still felt like I could just walk up to him right now and he'd be kind of the same type of person totally totally and that's that's also a difference I mean there is a difference of a superstar and entertainer and an artist and then a songwriter. There's so many different levels and kind of caveats to it. Um, and yeah, Garth is absolutely on the entertainer side, but he wouldn't have the career he did if even at the very beginnings of it, it wasn't authentic, you know? And so you can't build on something that isn't real um, and sustained. So to be able to have a career you know, and I, I think that's where so many developing artists and artists trying to find their voice and what is that. And it's so important. And I spend so much time just on the branding side of that, just on that side of it, because they have to know and start to understand who they are, because then that will help them solidify their career and, and fans will stick with them or they will leave, you know, and that's probably one of the biggest challenges with how DSPs are you know have come to the table and are involved because you get on a playlist and you get off the playlist and there's not a lot of people that will kind of dive into that and to figure out oh who that is it just really has to catch a fan for that to be the case you know so um helping establish those pillars outside of the artist with their music is just as important as their music is so break it down for me a little bit um because I think a lot of people right now used to, if a record went platinum, we knew what that meant. Yeah. That many actual albums were purchased. Yep. Um, so break down the music business a little bit for me right now. How, how if, if let's say I just released my first album, have zero listens or <laughs> buys, or what, how would I know, like what's measured? What's success for an artist these days? Oh, that's two completely different. <laughs> measured and success is completely, um, it's funny. I. I tell my artists all the time, you like the numbers to to look at the numbers is is great, um, but to live and die by them is not. And so you know they get in this in this business because it is a business, right? I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't a business. Um, but they have a craft, and they are working to not just perfect that craft, but but to to create the music that is essentially they will sing the rest of their life so that's kind of number one i would say success if they're doing that to be able to do that well then i think that's successful the the listeners the viewerships all that can come and go but if they're doing that then that will help them for the rest of their life um now just on a numbers level a basic you know numbers music business level yeah so i mean used to if you bought a song or if you bought an actual cd or a vinyl like that's a unit right for an album or so with dsps billboard nielsen they have formulas in place that it's like okay if you have x percent of streams that are ad supported and x percent of streams that are you know paid and premium and all of that um then that generates one unit so it's still based off of units. They're just now it's it's a different way that to get there, and, and it's all formulated based. And I touched on that a little bit of like videos weren't 
a part of the chart, but now they are. But they're still based off of premium views versus ad supported views versus you know so, and and it's yeah well and it's and, and it's continuing to evolve as as are all the DSPs like all the streaming platforms as they continue to evolve so does the music business to to try and maintain that and to figure out okay what is what is that balance of like how do we measure a unit anymore how does that change your day-to-day world because I would assume there's always new platforms coming out always new places to release videos music everything so are you the one that has to kind of pay attention to all those things and, and tell your artists where to be or is that a mutual job or does their management team do that like yeah it's it's mutual I mean definitely I always try and keep my ears to the ground right I we take a ton of meetings to vet companies to see okay is this legit I mean I my inbox is flooded of of hey would love to show you this you know and sometimes management will bring something to the table and I'm like I've never heard of this like you know, should we try this? I don't know. Because there's also a lot of companies out there that are trying to game the system, right? So then they have a lot of bot streams, which are paid streams, which aren't legit, which just throw everything off that mess up on the royalty side and the payments. So there, there is a lot of that that you have to kind of funnel. And there's ways to kind of sort through that, right? That you can tell like, okay, 95% of my streams have come from a desktop. And you're like, well, that's probably not the case. Um, so and so there's a lot of tricks in that way of just kind of monitoring that. I have the benefit of having a great team just being in those conversations of of the new either up and coming platforms or or even kind of what's coming and what's not. You know, we take meetings all of the time of of okay, here's the new here's the new community, here's the new, you know, clubhouse, like and whatever that is and and then trying to figure out okay, what artist is this worth it for? What is it not? Who can engage in this? When does it make sense? So in kind of determining where an artist fits in in that, um, that usually kind of tends to sort itself out along the way as we continue to build off the music and the marketing plan and, and the rollout strategy. Very cool. All right. So I want to dig into Heather Rasser for a second. Okay. And um, talk a little bit about just sort of, you know, there, there's a lot that goes with, um, sort of being in charge of people's careers in a sense. I mean, you're not the artist manager and mm-hmm. we've got an episode with Dan Wise who yeah. come to find out is a good friend of yours, yeah. but, uh, and, and we love Dan. He's such a great, great person in the business, but, yep. um, but you've got a manager, um, that, that sort of is sort of responsible for helping the artists themselves make some of those decisions. Yes. And then you've got your organization and, and team that helps get the music mm-hmm. out there, get it seen, get it heard, get it bought. Tell me what your day sort of looks like and then do you have any sort of frameworks that you like to live within whether it's from a marketing standpoint I'm a big fan these days of Donald Miller and the story brand Mm -hmm. framework and I kind of look at how I help my clients tell stories using that kind of idea yeah Um, but is there anything that you employ that you've kind of fallen in love with or or have um, that you're constantly kind of looking at how to to do your job better yeah, I, I mean, one, I learned a lot when I was at Universal. And so being able to take the pros to that and build off that to create a new framework. And so to then combine what I learned there and then what I've learned from everyone at Empire and, and the great team that I have there um, and kind of marry both of those, but then also continue to kind of push. I think it's mostly my personality um, that I am always one to kind of push against the norm push against kind of the standard of well this is just the way we've always done it well for me that's not good enough red done it doesn't matter we could be at the top of the world and I'm like I bet we could have done something different you know I bet we could have or I I can see of like man I wish we would have done this and it would have been that much better um I think that's just sheer personality and just how I was made and wired and so um but yeah I mean I I love Donald um I love the whole story brand approach I don't know that I follow it exactly to a T, but there are definitely, you know, my day-to-day is not only managing the artists, like all of the rollout plans for my roster, 
Um, but then at the same time, it's managing all of the relationships with the streaming partners to make sure that, hey, they know what's coming and when and how they can get involved and what we really want them to lean in, lean on and, and make that story and narrative make sense to them and, and how we can kind of get them to buy into it. Um, but then at the same time, also on the content side of like, okay, here's the release strategy, here's what we need. And so it's, I work with some of the best artist managers, which I love. And so that helps. It's great to have, you need that, to be honest, um, especially in this world, you have to have a great team just around an artist, not only great music, you know, and it's funny, I work with Frank Liddell and love him probably, you know, respect him so much in this, in this industry. He's been around, you know, for such a long time and has established such a great trajectory for his company and he at the end of the day he says I just want to work with great people and make great music and for me that was it that was exactly it I was like that is exactly that I I'll show up and do my very best they'll show up and do their very best with great music and do the best we can to move the needle make it you know roll it out and then learn learn from that so I'm all about adapting um because I feel like when at my time at Universal, we did, I didn't get to adapt. You know, I didn't know if what we did worked um, because we had such big artists that I was like, well, of course it, it works, but does it work as best as it could? Um, and so here it's very polarizing with developing artists and then, you know, even breaking artists of it's like, okay, you know when something works and when it doesn't, but I have the ability and the agility to pivot on a dime and go, okay, well, that didn't work, so let's do something else, um, and, and quick, right? And so that's that's been very refreshing in this to go, okay, we can – content flies so fast in this world, and you know that, um, you know? So what, what you release is it's really come and gone, you know? So it's like, okay, I tell my artists all the time, like, you make a post, maybe 10% of your audience sees that one post. So, like – you probably can't promote your music too much if you're worried about making two posts after it's out like I promise you like just with how the algorithms work everything so it's definitely kind of you know balancing that as we're rolling out and and preparing but I don't know I don't think I answered no, what my day-to-day -day looks like I but. love it that was great though <laughs> and, and one of the things you said I, I loved ability and agility mm -hmm. the the interesting thing there um one of the people I've had the chance to interview for sort of a, a lifetime award that they were getting um, or recognition um, they're a multi-billionaire huge fortune 100 business I believe and I asked him point blank at the end of the interview because this was selfish of me I, I kind of get this free MBA <laughs> from having these should. these kinds of Noted. questions I'll, I'll prepare myself for exactly. whatever that, that last question is but I said what's the one thing that you feel like has helped make your organization successful over the, these many years decades and he said when we have an idea, we quickly put that idea into action. Mm -hmm. If it works, we double down on that idea. Yep. If it doesn't work, we kill it so fast and move on. Yep. No idea is is too good to kill if it's not working. Yep. And he said, I've seen plenty of companies out there that they have an idea, they think it's the best idea, they move forward with it, it's not working, they tweak it and don't tweak it enough or don't invest enough in that idea and then it just ends up slowing them down instead of helping them accelerate and move faster and absolutely there's so many brilliant people in the world that have so many great ideas that if one's not working move on yeah i i feel like that you probably interviewed my ceo because that's kind of what he he lives and breathes for sure when i first started with empire you know i was waiting for approvals right like waiting for approvals of like hey can we do this and 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 one out you know i was still trying to get my feet wet um and finally my the coo called me and was like heather just go run because that's what that's what we want we trust you enough to give you the freedom to run we will pull back the reins if we see something you know and and they have like they've you know they'll call me and they'll say hey why do we do it this way like kind of talk me through this and then figure out okay maybe that didn't work but let's 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 maybe try it this way or not in like a reprimand way because it's always like okay you know we trust you we give you the the liberty to run um, and so that's really that was kind of my momentum shift when I when I started at Empire because it was like, OK, let's run. And, and exactly like you said, if something's not working, it's out. It's out. And maybe we resurface that later for another artist that it does work on and it kills it. And there's no sense in wasting time or energy 
especially with as much as everyone has going on on something that isn't working or is just working kind of eh, averagely it's like no we want to be better we want to be the best and make a difference and that's one of the things i kind of preach to my team and and a lot of people i get to talk to is basically you've got to have ownership Mm -hmm. because if you don't take ownership over this idea or this thing then who's going to run fast with it you know it's 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 not my job it's their job but Mm -hmm. i'm just kind of helping no no no. you own this Mm -hmm. and run fast and i love that you're you know, organization kind of looks at it that way and yeah. says, Heather, you can do this. We trust you own it and go like, yeah. and, and execute on it. Um, one of the other things I like to really, uh, kind of pay attention to with people is, is sort of personality types. Yep. Um, I've, I've learned a lot about it over the last few years. Um, you know, always kind of been interested in it, but not really doubled down on it. And so as you meet people, as you talk to people, interact with them in various ways, and even as you see how they interact online, right, with totally. engaging with content, things like that, understanding different types of personalities mm-hmm. can much better help you create that human to human connection. Yeah. Um, is that something you're into at all? Do you pay attention to personalities? What What's your oh my gosh. kind of my my personality is that I think I've taken every personality test out there to understand. I and this is on like you said a human level, like not even just work, coworkers, but all the way then to family, friends, you know, I think it's so important because everyone is so different. And so how do we better, how do we love people better? How do we understand people better? I th- it's just, it's so intriguing to me, I, I, you know? So I've taken every personality test, you know, I know I'm ESTJ, I'm an Enneagram three, I'm Capricorn, like I, I literally any test possible I know. And so um, probably to your listeners, like they heard that and they're like, oh dear Lord, like we don't even know what to do with her. Um, so I, but I also know it helps me know myself better and know, okay, here kind of when I'm in a good space, here's the great things about it when I'm not in a good space here the not so great things about it, you know? Yeah. And, and I think so, that understanding that awareness of it is part of the, the key to it all is, yeah. is not only how do I interact with other people better, but how do I know myself so that if I see this trend happening, yes, I know that that's kind of to be expected. And here's hopefully how I can kind of either get out of it if it's in a bad place or keep it going if it's in a good place. Yeah. I also use it as, I think one, it's not used enough in corporate culture. Um, but I, I use it because I think it's such a great tool for empathy, right? Like that's kind of your empathy trigger of like, if you can understand someone better on their human core level, then you can understand where they're coming from, even if you disagree. And so I think that, you know, that has been something in the last two years that I've really tried to dive into and figure out one for myself but then to figure it out for all my relationships whether it's coworkers or friends or, or family and and go okay how do I do this better but if it's not going so great how do I not one take it personal because as a three I'm probably going to take it especially on a work level I'm absolutely going to take it personal um and so it's like okay how do I not take this personal and keep it work and understand where they're coming from so it doesn't hinder or do more harm than it's already doing absolutely and when you think about it from because uh, I like what you mentioned that, that a lot of corporations aren't doing mm-hmm. this very well um, I think more are getting into it and it's great to see the the shift that's happening but when we market to our audience yeah. what we're doing is trying to create that human to human authenticity trying to create a, a perception and ultimately a, a persuasion yeah. for human behavior to to do what I want it to do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it almost sounds manipulative, but really, if, we, if we're a good, noble company, we're doing the right thing, right? then that's a good thing. We want them to participate in our business, whatever it is, whether it's listening to music, buying a product, mm-hmm. going on a trip somewhere and spending money on an airline, whatever. Um, but we, we do that as an organization to our customers Mm -hmm. why wouldn't we do the exact same thing to our people that run the company or or make the company work and so i wish every organization in the world really would sort of stop what they're doing understand their people because their people are who are influencing their customers Mm -hmm. we have probably one of the most diverse company cultures um and like over 50 percent female um, and then all 
all human races, right? And my CEO, so Ghazi says he does that on purpose. He's very intentional about it um, because he's a firm believer. How do you know how to market to someone if that someone is not sitting in that room helping on the marketing side? You know, so it's like, how do I, with especially in Nashville, the country audience, right? Majority is female. Um, I mean, that's your core country audience. And so that was one of the conversations that him and I had. He was like, I need, I want and have to have a female in this spot that has a voice in that spot because that's that audience. If I had five men as a part of the Empire Nashville team, how do, how do I know that it's all going to work succinctly if the audience is not represented in that? So I think that is where probably a lot of companies that I've seen and even on the you know music companies don't invest a lot of thought into that no different than like hiring young young talent um, is really important because they're kind of the ears to the what's up and coming you know I wish I was still young and, and and would even know you know like my product manager he'll bring me stuff and I'm like know what this is like and then you feel old but it's like it's so great to have that kind of diversity with that because it's like I need that I need that push on that because I'm not in that world at all I'm in this one and so so to have that diversity is is so important on a marketing level um because how do you know who you're talking to if there's nobody represented in the room very true and I think we have seen a great shift in that lately I think the the world is catching on and we're starting to realize that the people at the table should represent the mm-hmm. people in the world, not make decisions for right. the people in the world. And, and that's it. So um, what's something that you maybe have learned along the way that you kind of wish you knew when you first got into this business or earlier in your in your career um, that you wake up every day thinking, gosh, this is so easy now. But back 10 years ago, <laughs> I had no idea because I think. <laughs> um. I, I wish I, and, and this probably just comes with age, so I don't even know if it's even an answer to your question. I wish I trusted my gut from the get-go. Um, I, I just think early on, you just don't know. You don't know, you know, if you hear a song and you're like, that's a hit. But you don't say that because you're like, but is it though? Is that what all of the, the executives in the room are thinking? So early on, I wish I had really just listened to that, honestly. And just, and that's kind of twofold to if they don't think it is, but I still think it is, then it still could be. Like, I might be right in that situation. So I think that's probably the one thing. And not even just trust my gut on a hit, but trust my eye creatively as well. And going, okay, I know I know when content is great. Um, and I give my team the hardest time because they know I'm going to push back. If I get something, they know now to not send me something Um that they haven't already reviewed a million times because I will probably still have edits. But I didn't know that at the beginning. I didn't know um, that I had a great marketing eye. I didn't know that, that the edits that I was making or the thoughts that I was having that I could fully trust. And so I think I wish now that, you know, that I had done that and probably could have moved the needle a little bit earlier and quicker and, and changed some of the of the things. But, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I just happen to know this about you because <laughs> I've known you since, like we said, years ago. Um, <laughs> but years. you have been a competitive athlete. Yep. Uh, you've been a musician yourself. Mm-hmm. You've helped start and run a CPA firm, firm? <laughs> yeah. accounting firm. <laughs> yeah. And now you're a vice president of marketing for a record label. Yep. Um, that's a lot of different skill sets mm-hmm. and talents that are all kind of wrapped up into one one person. Have you seen a crossover of how your expertise in one side kind of comes to play in the other? For sure. It, one, just being competitive. You know, this industry is so competitive. This industry is so cutthroat. So having the competitiveness of being an athlete um and I still play so I still get that little fix it's definitely not as intense because you know I need to live and survive um and I would probably hurt myself but and so I have to be careful on that front but also I think the team mentality learning how to be on a team from from the get-go and that kind of transpires across all of the of the positions I've been in um and then even you know even on a very basic level of 
when I was running the accounting firm in Dallas, like one, I was like, this is fine and all. It's what my family does. You know, every education benchmark test I've taken was like, your score is a 99% accounting. And I'm like, that's not where I'm going to be. Um, And so, and my family's fine with that just as on the record. So we're on the record and saying, but starting on the, on the music side and then going to the accounting side taught me that I have both sides of that brain. Um, and like, you know, like you had already touched on, I, I'm not the best musician. I wasn't the best artist, but it allowed me to now be empathetic towards my artists. Now I understand how difficult that is. I understand how difficult the road is, um, which now they're all pining for it. So, you know, it's, that's, that's a good thing, but then switching to the, to the accounting side, I wouldn't have gotten the job for running strategy at Universal had I not had that background, had I not known, one, the basics of how to use Excel really well and really fast. Um, but then two, just being having that analytical side to understand this is what's working, this is what's not, this is what's happening, not just in country, but as across all genres. Um, country tends to operate behind the curve. And so if I'm watching the other genres, I can see where we're heading to. And so it's like, okay, being preemptive of that and not reactive to that is, has been really helpful. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say there's so many qualities. Learning how to operate as a team, you know, it's all threaded throughout is, has definitely been great kind of stepping stones to, to where I am now. Who would you say are some of your mentors or people that have inspired you along the way, kind of given you that, that, you know, paved road to walk down, uh, if there is such a thing, but, uh, I like to say, who are your Titans? Who are the, who are yeah. the Titans in your life? I love that. I love that. Well, one, I am probably the most like avid Pelotoner. So I got in early before Peloton was cool. Um, and so there's a couple instructors over there. Robin, you know, taught me kind of female empowerment and that that's okay. Um, and that, that your voice in the room matters. Um, and so her over there, but then so completely different industry. And, um, and then all the way to, you know, Brene Brown, who I'm a massive fan of all of her books and taught me so much just reading and listening to, to her stuff. And then in the industry, like Mike Dungan, who runs Universal here in Nashville, has really helped me and, and encouraged me along the way. He's such a great um, mentor to have. Frank, I brought up, you know, you know, just these, the people that have been in this town and then on the music side have been around for such a long time that they've kind of seen every pendulum swing that happens. Um, and knowing that one, they're still around and they're still making great music. And then two, kind of how to ignore some of the, the politics that are involved and, and kind of how to not bypass them, but not let them probably affect me more than they would. Um, I'm prob- I would probably be highly more affected by some of the, the politics that it requires than had they not taught me along the way of, of kind of really what matters and kind of not even verbally, but just kind of how they've presented themselves. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it kind of runs, runs the, the gamut a little bit on, on, on those. I love it. One of the things that I find most interesting with you know kind of thinking through my relationship with with mentors and people that have influenced me is you learn probably more by them telling you what not to do than what to do you know i think we're always looking for this step-by-step guide of how should i move through the situation and oftentimes they can't give you that but they can tell you what not to do yeah and i think nine times out of ten that's the most valuable information absolutely i always say you if you can know what not to do like you will be successful um, you know, and even even Tina, who is heads up Empire's A&R, who is, you know, she's been around for such a long time. And like, I mean, just talk about boots on the ground has has been a part of the industry when it wasn't fun to be a part of, but then has been a part of like incredible projects, incredible artists. And to watch that and to and to know that, OK, I can trust her eye. I can trust, you know, it. And, and her ears for sure and so just having that to be able to kind of lean on and and to hear that kind of feedback exactly like you said like you know because I think mentors you need them in your current but then also in other kind of 
pillars of your life that that can kind of speak into that as well and exactly what you said you know if they're teaching you what not to do then that's that's just as important and valuable so every business um there's kind of three things that boil down to kind of how a business uh, exists in the world And, and the first of those is ideas the second is the execution of their ideas or operations and the third is their culture if you have to rank those one through three one being this has to be the most important thing that you focus on what what do you put at the top of the list the first one is easy for me all day long I didn't even hesitate it like as soon as you said it culture absolutely is most important if you have a toxic culture then ideas and execution are are mute um so culture for me that's something that Empire does really really well um which is really refreshing because it's not always done well and so that's been great to to kind of be a part of that family and so they take a lot of pride in that as as do I and so I think culture absolutely um because in any type of negative negativity on that level is just going to kill the ideas it will kill the execution so that's one but two and three I don't know that I can put in an order you have to uh, it, absolutely. Because, well, and this is a, this is an interesting <laughs> conversation topic because if culture is number one, yep. To to preserve that culture, you're going to have idea people mm-hmm. and you're going to have execution people. Yeah. And they can't always exist mutually, right? So right. you've either got to have idea people that then your operations people take and execute those ideas, or you've got to have your what's possible your operations people say here's the framework we live in mm-hmm. now we need ideas that work within this framework yeah i don't know that i can put one above the other though i i think if they're able to operate mutually that's the win right because it you can have a million great ideas but nothing there to execute then what's the point you can have great execution but really terrible ideas so then also what's the point so i those feel to me like those Cultures one and then two is ideas and execution. I just I, I hear I hear you. Um, I, I don't know that I could pick. I, I think you have to have both. And if you don't, you have to get to a place where you do. And whether that's different people, whether that is a different structure, you have to get to that place where it is that kind of yin and yang. Because if it's just mediocre ideas that you're executing on, you will continue to stay mediocre. So I'll accept that answer. I okay, think that's, I, pr- uh, I appreciate that's, it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I'm. No, it's great. It's it's a unique standpoint on it for sure. And I think that. You oh know, no! The, am I the only one that has that standpoint? Well, I can't tell you that. But, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I think everyone has to go listen to the rest of the podcast to determine. But I think it's it's the mentality that goes into it that says like the the value is there regardless. Like mm-hmm. they're they're both equal, and and I I think that that's a great way to look at it. And um, you know, is. It as wouldn't be as, me if I wasn't pushing against the one, two, and three anyways. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, no, totally understood. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Moving on. Uh, I'll lose this battle for sure. Um, I'm not willing to choose. They'll say that. I don't, I don't even know that I could, you know? Like, no, that's great. I, I, I love that. And, and the fact that you, you have that uh, mindset, you know, means, and, and we talked about this a little bit earlier too, I think off, off camera or <laughs> before we were recording, but um, you know, kind of how you and I share this this mindset that, you know, we kind of are the business and creative mm-hmm. minds. We may not be the absolute best at either one, but we have to live in a world where we have both of those yeah. in our lives and that, mm-hmm. that we have jobs or we have, you know, companies that we work for or run that um, that allow us to exist in both worlds. And so I think that's a very fair uh, <laughs> existence of your kind of you, you can't have ideas and execution yeah. one rank over the other just like I believe you can't have business and creative sort of out of sync they mm-hmm. have to both kind of come to the table with equal weight yeah yeah I think if, if there's a a culture or a company that is heavy-handed on one or the other something's going to suffer and so finding that balance right which is that's kind of the the golden ticket right that I don't know that anybody ever achieves or gets to in a company but you have to at least work at finding that balance love it all right so a couple of years ago you got to spend some time in Bali right yes I want to hear about this experience and and kind of what was your what was your takeaway why did you go and then how did that impact and, and essentially 
you know, make you who you are today. Yeah. So Bali was probably one of the most life-changing experiences. I had, one, never been that far. Um, and by that far, I mean, it's almost exactly halfway around the world from Nashville. Um, and had I known that, I would have taken a different flight path. Um, but I would have still gone, but I would have taken a different flight path back because I was literally on the plane um, with the people that I was that I was going with and I was watching the map on the on the flight and I was like wait a second because you know on, on the plane it gives you kind of here's your flight overview and we it was a 17 hour flight and to Singapore was was our second flight we had flown from Nashville to, to San Francisco actually and I was like we messed up we messed up we're flying literally halfway around and we're not coming back we're not continuing that to say we flew around the world <laughs> Um, we're literally coming back to where we came from. And I was like, oh, missed opportunity. So hear me saying now that that is the plan the next time I go. But So he, for anybody listening, if you're going from America to... It, well, especially Nashville. Nashville's part. almost exactly... Okay. Yeah. So you can you can either fly out of, obviously, you know, Philadelphia or New York mm-hmm. and, and that way, or you can fly out of California. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. If, if you live in, like... Middle Tennessee, <laughs> or or equal. So BNA, if you're gonna leave from BNA, that's right. If you're leaving from BNA, take one way, fly out of JFK or wherever on the east, and then come back on the west, and you'll have literally flown around the world. So very cool. Um, yes. Okay, so we we learned about a missed opportunity. Yes, today. yes. Um, not to start out my life changing. Right. Yeah. So that was that was the takeaway, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all. No. So. Bali came about so I knew the instructor that was teaching a yoga retreat I'd never done yoga consistently I'd done maybe like a couple classes with my sister I didn't get it I couldn't touch my toes and I was like I you know this is crazy Um, but she had studied there the instructor did had studied there she lives there a month out of every year um, and was like you guys just need to come and I was like let's do it you know like and that's kind of just my personality as well I love to travel I love to travel internationally I love to see as many cultures and people and eat the food and just experience that is so important to me and one I just kind of thrive in that I love that that level of adventure I you know I love seeing new places and so it was kind of a no-brainer for me Um, and especially those a comfort level just because she had been the instructor had been for so long so um, but I didn't know that I would have to travel all the way around the world to find a piece of me that I didn't know I needed. Um, because I landed in Bali and it's easily the most spiritual place I've ever, I've ever been to. The people are kind. Um, but taking that trip and learning kind of introspectively about myself, um, we had a whole day of silence, so the entire 24 hours of no communication, um, so no reading a book. I mean, we could we could journal, so we could write, but it was no reading a book, no talking, um, and that slows things down in a way that not everyone and very few actually get to experience. Um, and doing that, slowing the world down, because that's at the time of my life, that's what I needed. Um, I was still at Universal at the time. I was trying to figure out kind of my next steps. Um, I wasn't in a healthy place um, for myself. And so trying to figure out what that looked like, you know, like you leave your 20s and you get to this weird space of like, I should have this figured out, but I don't. Um, and so it, it, I joke now because I'm like, it took me flying halfway around the world to, to find that. Um, but that's just how stubborn I am. And so I don't think it requires that for most people. But yeah, I think Bali, if anything, it slowed it slowed things down for me that I could take a look at myself and go, is this who I want to be? Is this the person that I want to become? Is the path that I'm on who and how I want to leave the world and represent that? And so it's such a monumental moment to not only be immersed in that culture and just the, the way they operate and how kind and gracious and just out of the sheer goodness of their heart, you know, to see that it's so different than anything in the States and and so to to learn from that and also kind of let things go that I no longer needed right and and kind of work through that and start that was kind of the 
one of the starting processes. So there was a lot of undoing, right, of of kind of, hey, I've always operated this way, but that's probably not the healthiest. There's a lot of kind of introspection in there that allowed me to kind of free up myself to be okay with that and go, okay, like, I mean, I wasn't necessarily confident or and okay in my own skin, which I think a lot of people go through. Um, probably majority of people, just nobody really talks about it. And so I didn't know, I, I didn't know that that was even okay to kind of not one, not be comfortable in my skin, but then two, to experience it on such a deeper spiritual level that was like, okay, like, okay. Um, and so, yeah, I will forever cherish that. And we did awesome thing, you know, like, of course, I mean, we're in Bali. So we go through the rice fields and, you know, just even learning that. And we did, um, there's a place called Pyramids of Chi. So if you guys ever go to Bali, you have to do that. Um, it's, it's sound healing. And so from the music side, from even the musician side, they use sound and sounds to kind of heal you, which sounds very hoovy groovy. And that was not me at all. So just hear me say that. Um, but I think if anything, it just, it one, allows you to be, and two, it slows you down. Um, and it's like, okay, figuring out what are priorities, what matters, and then how do you keep doing that here operating, you know? That's really cool. Um, I just booked my trip, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, As going, you I'm going out east to get there and then coming back west. That's so, right. Yeah. If you do that before me, though. <laughs> um that's really cool. And, and I think that um, there's so much to be said for that idea of finding a way to slow down. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't say, I'm just going to take a weekend and no. do it. You know, I think that um, I'm in I'm in desperate need of that myself. I've, I'm constantly on the go, yep. thousand things pulling at you. Uh, but I like the idea of, of not even reading a book because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're ingesting something, it kind of makes your mind race. But when you're putting it out, it sort of slows you down. So journaling and just sort of sitting within the, yeah, the silence I mean, I w- of your own breath. I was I was sitting outside my room at one point because it, at the time we didn't schedule um, at the retreat that I was at, which was actually the same retreat that Elizabeth Gilbert went to where she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Um, and so that was fun and really cool to kind of be a part of and kind of see that I actually watched the movie for the first time while I was packing the night before for the trip. Cause I was like, I feel like I should know this, um, or at least know what I'm kind of walking into. And, um, yeah, so I, that afternoon I was just sitting outside and one, it's just blazing hot there. Like it's heat, like I've never felt. And I'm from Texas and live in the South, you know, so I know humidity, but I did not know humidity. Um, and I'm sitting out and I'm just like sketching and I don't know how to sketch, you know, like I, I literally had a pen and a white piece of paper and that's what they gave us. And they were like, do whatever you want with it, you know? Um, and they didn't even say that it was just kind of like they supplied it in your room. And so I sat outside and I literally just sketched everything that I saw, you know? And at one point I thought, am I going crazy? Cause I'm like, there was a gnat kind of flying around and, and I was having an internal conversation with that gnat. And I was like, how are you not burning up? It is like roasting out here. And then of course I go down the path in my brain of like, man, mother nature is really amazing. Like you're the tiniest thing, but you don't just crisp up like that, even though I feel like I'm crisping up out here. So, you know, just things like that, that in this world, how we operate here, you don't do that. And so, yeah, there was a little bit of like, I think I'm going crazy. And I only did it like 24 hours. Like there are some people that do weeks and and days and days. And I'm like, who knows how I would return after that, you know? That's crazy. So did did the movie do it justice? Oh, not even close. Not even close. It's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great. I love Julia Roberts. It's it's fantastic. Um, no, there's really nothing that can do it justice, you know, without just, just being there. So, yeah, it's it's really incredible. All right. We're going to take the show on the road. We're going to go do a silent <laughs> podcast um, in Bali. It'll yes, be fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we can talk the whole way there, which is like 20 something <laughs> hours probably straight. Ready for some silence by the time <laughs> yeah, we get there. Yeah. Um, all right, we're, we're rounding third, heading home. Um, I appreciate that analogy. I figured you might. Yes. Um, what are ways that, that you personally are helping to do business better? So that can mean a lot of different things, but you know, in a world where, like you said, we're moving so fast, we're constantly yeah. trying to like get ahead and do all these different things. I think there's a lot of things that you know, we're figuring out 
as the world evolves and we're, we're finding ways to do business better. Um, so what does that mean to you and, and how is Empire or how are you doing business better these days? Yeah, there's a couple ways. I mean, obviously, I, I think Empire as a whole, um, for very basic level, our deals are just structured very differently. Um, and, and we didn't know kind of coming into Nashville what how that would be received or perceived. Um, but from the very basic level, like we never take ownership. Um, and so that allows the artist that has created this to always own own that content and that that music because that's it's theirs we're just here to help facilitate that and that fosters a loyalty and a respect um that continues to just kind of grow and grow and we've seen that just you know 2020 was one of the best years if not the best year for empire just in terms of growth and the amount of music and artists and great content and so i think that on a very basic level of of just doing business better is doing right by the artist and and right by the industry to go like you know we we don't take ownership of that um but we're here to help you grow that and not only just help that artist but there are a lot of artists that have developing artists under them that they're helping grow so it's it's getting involved in that business on a human level to one teach the artist the business why they because there's a lot of artists that don't understand the business um, and there's a lot of artists that do but those that don't it's like let me teach we'll teach you the business um, and then those that you are fostering and developing you can then kind of see the, and then the business just flourishes and continues to grow from that so I think on a very basic level Empire does that extremely well um, so that's great to be a part of um, I think on a on a human level on a personal level of, of, of doing it is just operating um maybe with a, a a loyalty and a an honesty that I'm not driven by numbers I'm not driven by bonuses I'm not driven by any of that you know not that that they're bad but I think that that can pose an issue when it becomes you know when that starts to become a priority and so being not not held to that or driven by that allows a, a bit of a sense of freedom to then be loyal to the teams and and the artists that we are in business with and could potentially be in business with so i love that very cool all right moving on to our kind of final rapid okay. fire questions um, these are always fun love to, to hear what what people have to say but what is your your favorite book or one that you've read recently favorite book I have already mentioned Brene so probably anything by her um I just finished in the middle of 2020 I finished Jen Hatmakers Fierce Free and Full of Fire that was fantastic um so yeah I would say the, right off the top of my head if we're, if we're doing rapid fire that's that right. perfect perfect cool. what's your sort of systemized daily routine what's something you have to do every single day oh workout Peloton every morning it doesn't matter what what time my day starts I will get up um, and I learned this before 2020. I was already in kind of this rhythm. So uh, it's funny. I People were like, how did you do that in 2020? Um, with, you know, we just ended up sitting on the couch. And I was like, it was already a habit. I was just lucky enough that I'd already created that habit. So it doesn't matter what time my day starts. I will get up and at least do one hour. Love it. So. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've either given or received? I can't answer the given because that's still, the verdict is still out. Um there's probably a couple in received one is is frank's of working with great people making great music with great people i think that's just very it seems very basic but at the end of the day like that's that's really kind of the win for me um yeah i would say that one love it uh so you mentioned peloton being <laughs> a, a habit you've formed previously what's a relatively new habit good or bad oh I'm sure there's lots of bad. You may give you a bad. Let's see. <laughs> bad. Um, I have probably lost a lot of work-life balance a little bit in 2020. You know, there's no break. There's no leaving the office. You're just home. So that's probably the worst habit. It was in February that I was like, ah, hold on. I'm still emailing at 830 and haven't stopped for dinner or something like that, which, um, you know, leaving an office gives you that break. So I've had to start to become very aware of that or have started to become aware. I haven't fixed it yet. Um, good habit. Yeah, I mean, probably just continue like self care, self care, but always trying to stay incredibly aware 
I started meditating after Bali and that's been amazing. That's been really helpful. Even if it's just a five minute a day that taking those deep breaths, like forcing those deep breaths within your body is, is so beneficial, you know, with whatever your, however you meditate, whatever that looks like. Um, yeah, that's definitely changed for sure. Very cool. Um, if you could write a book, what would the title be? Oh gosh, a book. Um, or in your case, if you could put your own billboard out in the world, what would you put oh, on it? Well, billboard's different. Um, I, I think my, my book and my billboard would say two different things. My book would probably say all that to say with dot, dot, dot. Um, I think that is what I probably get the most like harped on about in my life is that at the end of every conversation, I, I usually that's my wrap up when I'm done with the conversation when I've said what I needed to say when the when the when the meeting is done it's like all right all that to say here's your wrap up and we're, we're out so that's probably what the book would say I mean sneakers and snacks you know they, there could be lots of <laughs> lots of puns in there you know um, but Peloton and sushi all the great things so <laughs> perfect I think what I've been made aware of lately is that mine would probably be real quick Okay. That would be yeah. my book title. Um, <laughs> hey, real quick. <laughs> yeah. um, now you got me thinking about sushi. You're welcome. <laughs> Peloton. Um, what's the best thing that you've bought in the last year that, under $100? Oh, by far my Whoop bracelet. Yeah, Love by that. far. Yeah. It tells me when I need to rest, which is good. And then it also tells me when I should work harder, so. <laughs> or sleep more, to be honest. I, I got it because I was like, I have no idea. Am I sleeping enough? Am I resting enough? You know, so, which is ridiculous. I feel like only someone with my personality would say that. I don't know of anybody else, but yeah, that for sure. Are you a Netflix or news consumer? <sighs> Netflix. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was a news consumer. I'm just not. I'm not. Hey, nothing wrong with that. There's there's yeah. rarely anything good on the news. Yeah. Um, I, I, I see what's trending on Twitter every day, and that's kind of the, the Reader's Digest version. But anything – I try and keep up with current. Um, you know, Empire, we have a group chat, like, with everyone. That Anything that is remotely relevant, I think, gets that gets fed through there. So I'll, I'll scroll that a little bit. But, yeah, I'm definitely Netflix. This may be hard for you. Okay. Favorite artist or musician? Currently, to listen to, because obviously live shows um, are out, so that that helps me dwindle it down. On my on my playlist right now, Patrick Droney, James Blake. I am neo mellow to my core. Um, I feel like a lot of people would think I would say country, but it's actually pretty rare, unless it's my own artist or potential new artist that I get. I get a ton of music sent to me and so if it's that but if I'm just listening if I'm cooking which is kind of you know my relaxing time of just cooking or meal prepping or something I have on some good neo mellow some good chill just I love a good look chill Brit pop like love it last question talking about cooking what's your favorite food what do you oh. like to cook the most or where do you like to go eat oh sushi by far yeah, I love it. It's weird to say being so landlocked, but there's a couple great spots here. But yeah, I I don't know. It took me a long time. I never had it until I moved to Nashville um, after I lived in da- like lived in Dallas and then moved back. And I, I just didn't get it. I didn't. I never had it. And then I had it, and I was like, okay, I, I could eat that probably at least three nights a week. I don't, but I could. For sure. <laughs> um, I, I think I may go to Virago now. As you should. Where, where's your top top oh, place in Nashville? Oka, for sure. It's in Germantown. Okay. Yeah, that's my go-to. I like Virago, um, but yeah, Oka is definitely better. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Heather, it's been a pleasure. Really appreciate you taking yeah, the time. Yeah, of course. It's so good to Fun see you. Catch up. Same. Thank you. If you like this episode of Titans of Industry, head to contenttitan.co slash podcast for more episodes or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And if you know of an industry titan that's doing amazing things, let us know on social media or through our website so we can tell their story. Thanks for listening.